0: Today, I'm going to teach you a new song. You ready? It's a good day to learn a new song, and the song is entitled, The 120th Psalm. It's our text for today, is the 120th Psalm. I'm going to be reading out of the Pew Bible. If you didn't bring your own Bible, you can open up the Pew Bible that's right in front of you and turn to page 542, and you'll be right along with me. So page 542. In the Pew Bible, in your own Bible, it is the 120th, the 120th Psalm. I decided some years ago that if you're going to talk about the Psalms, you sound a lot fancier if you call it the 120th Psalm rather than Psalm 120. <laughs> so we're going to start with the first verse of the 120th Psalm to be extra fancy today. You know how there are certain songs that are just the perfect song for a certain occasion? Some occasions just have that perfect song for it, and this is the one that you need to hear uh, when it is time to go to that occasion. If the occasion is Christmas, the perfect song is Joy to the World. You know this. Yeah, I'm right. It's right. It's Joy to the World. Every year. Christmas has not happened until we have sung Joy to the World together. If it's the 4th of July... You're not celebrating right unless you hear Lee Lee Greenwood, you know. Yeah, exactly. God bless the USA. Mm. (laughs) Perfect song for the occasion. For For a wedding, for your wedding. There may have been a very specific song that you remember, and it was the song for that occasion, and you know it well. If you're doing yard work or grilling, it's country music every time. This is what you ought to do. Smell that grass being cut. Meat being smoked. All right. This, Psalm 120, is the perfect song for a certain situation. The situation is if you are tired of everything that's going on in the world, that's what this song is for. If you're exhausted, with evil, if you're tired of confusion, of great divisions amongst neighbors, if you're just tired of evil people who are looking for a fight, if that's you today, and it sure might be, well, guess what? I've got the perfect song to teach you we're going to be looking at across the next few weeks is Psalm 120 through 134. Now, you know, all of these psalms, every last one of them, individually they're a psalm, together the psalms. It's a songbook for singing. The longest one is the 119th one, just before this one. And then after the very longest one, we get a series of these very short little ones, but they're grouped together, and they're generally called the psalms of ascent, that is ascending, rising up. The idea is these are to be sung while the people of Israel are on their way up to celebrating God at the temple. Any of the festival seasons, these is, this is the this is the album. This is the song set that you sing and you listen to while you're traveling on your way to the temple to worship God with all of his people. And the very first one, not coincidentally, starts off with I am tired of this world and I am going to worship. Let's pray together, and let's learn this new song together. Father God, teach our hearts to sing your praise. Tune our hearts to sing your praise. Give us the right words to sing your praise. We are so thankful for these songs that you would teach us how to think, how to believe, and how to worship you right. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first verse of the 120th Psalm. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. Lord, rescue me from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. What will He give you? And what will He do to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with burning charcoal. What misery that I have stayed in Meshech, that I have lived among the tents of Kadar. I have dwelled too long with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. The word of the Lord. A fascinating psalm, too, if it's the first psalm that you've ever read. There's a pattern amongst many psalms, and the pattern that goes across all of them is this. uh, There's many that David, King David, is crying out in sorrow. There's so many psalms where he begins saying, enemies are surrounding me. My life is fleeing from my body. My bones ache. People are trying to crush me. And then the psalm ends with, but I know you, O Lord, are good, and I can trust you. There's a formula amongst many of them. That's a style of song that goes on throughout the whole book of Psalms is grief, 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 but I know I can trust the Lord in the midst of it. Now, this little song reverses that. It begins with, in my distress, I called to the Lord and He answered me. It begins with a statement of faith and belief, and it ends with, how come it is that every time I try to turn around... And create some peace and goodwill amongst my neighbors, they all want to go to fight. It's this attitude that this person has made a decision that they're going to turn away from the ways of this world, specifically listed here, lying. Just battle militant attitude, people who just want to fight, who are spoiling for it. He says, I'm not going to be like that anymore. How long do I have to live amongst these people who just want to be violent? These people who lie all the time. I'm tired of it. I'm out of here, is what he says. I am turning, and I'm going to go towards the Lord now because, and it all starts here, when I have cried out to the Lord, He answered me every time. And so now I'm going to go there again now. It begins with this declaration of faith in God. Nothing is good for the guy who is writing this psalm except the Lord. And he says, you know what? Forget about all this nonsense that's going on around me. I'm out of here. I am going to go and turn towards the Lord, because that's where I've always received my help. That's who has cared about me and given me what I need. And in describing the world, he describes it this way. First of all, Lord, rescue me from lying lips, a deceitful tongue. Just the nature of the world is lying is deceit, which is lying. You could call it spin if you wanted to, just kind of spinning the facts a little bit or massaging them a little bit to make your take on it and make it look the way that you want it to be. And this isn't new in the world. It can seem to us today that no matter what happens, let's say some event happens in the world, because of the great political divide in America right now, no matter what happens, see, it proves my point, and see, it proves my point, the exact same events, every single one of them gets spun in order to be evidence for whoever's case they want it to be in whatever case they want to make. This is the way the world has always been. Truth is not something that comes from the world. Truth is something that comes from God. But lying isn't just, oh, but it's the way the world is, I guess we'll participate in it. Lying, deceit, spin, there is declared here a punishment for it. These things are not only not good and not acceptable, but judgment comes for them. What is the judgment? A warrior's sharp arrows with burning coals. You know, I was talking with somebody this morning about uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention, though not in our church, but in our missionary organization that we participate in, the Southern Baptist Convention, There's been some scandals in the last few years about sexual abuse of people. And it hasn't been related to this church if you don't understand how the Southern Baptist Convention works, but there have been people who have spent some time, it seems, spinning or covering up or denying some facts, trying to obscure things that ought to be presented as true. And so there's an investigation underway right now. I'm very proud of our Southern Baptist Convention. The messengers who were gathered this summer, um, I wasn't able to go. I I had a funeral to attend and to officiate, and so I wasn't able to go to the convention this year and vote on behalf of our church. But still, the 15,000 messengers from different churches who gathered together this past summer voted overwhelmingly that what they wanted from the executive committee that kind of does the day-to-day work of connecting the dots and putting things together for the Southern Baptist Convention, that they ought to hire a third-party group to do an investigation, to make sure there was no foul play, and if there was anything wrong, to bring it to light. And called even still to waive any kind of legal privileges or executive privileges that they could uh, have or they could want for themselves in order to make sure that first and foremost, the truth comes out completely. Because the complete and whole truth is always Christ's. There's no cover-up lie or deceit that comes from him. Rather, judgment comes for those who would do this. And the psalmist says, this is the way the world is, and I am done with that. No more. Next, verse 5, what a misery. I have stayed in Meshech. I have lived among the tents of Kadar. These names don't mean much to you. They don't mean much to me either. They're names of places and tribes that are from a faraway place that don't exist any longer. But suffice it to say, these are tribes of people who live outside the boundaries of Israel, far away from Israel. It's like a whole different place. Meshech up in the north, this tribe of people that they know about but they've never actually seen and need to go way up there to travel to. Or Kadar, the people to the south. Essentially, the psalmist is saying, I am so tired of living amongst these people who are violent and lying and don't like us and would come to our borders and attack if they could. Have you ever had the feeling of just being far from home? You didn't know when you were going to be able to return? If you've traveled to nations where they speak a different language, that's one of those things that makes it seem completely foreign, because if you don't speak the language of the place, it's hard to even know where you're going, to read signs for directions. It's completely foreign. I'm to argue to you that there's an even weirder kind of dissonance that happens when you travel to a nation that speaks English primarily, because then when you do that, everything will be similar but oddly different. Try going to Canada sometime. We took a mission trip up to Canada to work with one of our Baptist church plants way out in western Canada, and it was a delightful trip, a beautiful country, great people, and the Lord's work was being done. But it's unusual to be in a place where you can use your cell phone, you can use your credit card, everything works like it's supposed to. But this isn't home. There are these odd, subtle differences of the way things are done, the way people act, that you know you're not just in another state, which is jarring in some ways of its own, But that you're in a whole other country, they're speaking the right language, but but something is is off and I I can't put my finger on it. That feeling of knowing that you're not at home is the exact feeling that the psalmist is talking about in this song. How long am I have to dwell in places that aren't my home? This is about longing to be at home, but the home is not just in Israel, the home is with the Lord. As long as we are away from the Lord, we are not at home. We were made to be with Him. It's sort of like, so one time, you know, several years ago, Meredith and the kids, they went back to Texas to visit our family, and they needed to go and see Him. And so, Meredith took the kids, and, uh, and they all went, and I had to work, and so I stayed here. And the very first day that I was by myself, the house was so quiet, y'all. <laughs> it was great. And the very second day, yeah, yeah. Not Mary, the children, the children. The very very second day that they were gone, the house was so quiet, y'all. It was awful. What was this to do? There was a perfect song for that occasion, and it's The Cure. Uh, I was just listening to uh, pictures of you, you know, and uh, moping about by myself, uh, wanting my family to return. It doesn't take long at all. Like the very second day, I was uh, ready to see them all again. I might have been at my house, but without my family, I wasn't at home so it is with the Lord. We are made to be with Him, and the Lord is with us. We have His Holy Spirit on us even now. That's why it's so special when we gather together as a congregation, because when we gather together as a congregation to worship Him, it's, it's like about as close as we can get to being at home, this side of Christ's return. We can gather together with a family that God has knit together in His name for His purposes to spend time with people who have the Holy Spirit of God, know the love of the Lord, and want to reflect the love of the Lord to everyone else. And it's like being at home almost. But we know even more so. We live a life, we Christians, on a journey towards our home. Someday we will be at home properly. Someday when we arrive there, we will look back at this time of our life, and it will will have been like being in a foreign nation. Yeah, we spoke the language, but but it just wasn't right. The lying, the violence. I'm trying to make peace, and they're trying to make war. Someday we'll be at home together with the Lord, and we yearn for that. Finally, there are those who hate peace. They simply hate peace, and this is the way of the world. The writer of the song says, "I'm all for peace. I want peace." When he goes over to his neighbor's house in a dispute, the thing that he's looking for is to put the dispute away. He wants peace. And the neighbor, the neighbor wants to fight. The neighbor wants to win. The neighbor wants to get what is theirs. Now, this isn't to put away friendly competition. Say, like, if you want to talk about an application of this as a nation, you know, I love our nation, and we have some allies, other nations in the world, but they're not us, they're a separate nation, they are allies, and there's nothing wrong with two allied nations being a little competitive economically and in other ways. This is good and healthy for everyone. There's nothing wrong with two friends getting together and competing a little bit you know, running against each other, trying to push each other on a little bit. This is good and right. You can still be friendly and compete. But there's a difference between let's be friendly and compete. There's a difference between let's be friendly, but I'm really going to try to win. And I really want you to lose. I don't care if I win or not. I just want to see you lose. That's what he's saying. My neighbors... If we could just have peace, it'd be good for them too. They don't want it. They just want violence and what to do what is wrong. This is the way of the Lord, but we follow the Prince of Peace. Jesus says in a sentence to the church in Colossae, He says, Let your certain virtue be known to all people. So how does he want the Christians in Colossae to be known to all people? How does he want the Christians at Talathe to be known to all people? Let your what be known to all people in the world. Is it let your success be evident to all? Let your brilliance be evident to all people. Let how proud you are be evident to all people. No, no. Paul says to his church, let your gentleness be known to all people. We serve the Prince of Peace, the lion who made himself a lamb for our sake, who went to slaughter for our sake. We must likewise seek and desire and want peace with all of our heart if we're going to worship the Prince of Peace. This song is perfect for anyone who needs to know a good song in a bad time. And since we happen to live in a difficult time, this song will be perfect for you this week. Learn it, memorize it, read it, write it on the mirror, put it in your car, but this psalm is for you. And next Sunday when we come back for homecoming, we'll be looking at the 121, Psalm 121 together. But for today, just a couple of applications quickly for how we can understand this psalm for ourselves. First of all, starting at the beginning, remember that God is faithful. Number one, you're going through a difficult time because the times are difficult. Let's start with this. Remember that God is faithful. Verse 1 In my distress, I called to the Lord and He answered me. Remember that God was faithful to you. Regularly, I have to talk to somebody who's struggling in one way or another and then in their struggles of life, whatever those are, if it's memory struggles or in this case, this past week I was talking to a good friend in our congregation who's struggling over depression and these sorts of struggles can lead a person to start questioning their own salvation and start beating themselves up You can start thinking you're just the worst person ever and that God's not going to forgive you and that none of your friends or family are going to forgive you. And all of this is awful and terrible. And one of the things that I tell people in this situation is, okay, you're, you're feeling really down on yourself. I understand. But is God still good? Well, if God's still good, then it's going to be all right. You know you're a sinner, and your sins are ever before you, and you're brought to grief and sorrow over things that you did, even things that you didn't do, but this is just some weird depression moment that you need to get help with also for that, uh, and change your behavior in life. But is God still good? And if He is, then it's going to be all right, because He's the one who holds your salvation. Depression and emotional difficulties are normal right now for several reasons. One, because of the uncertainty that's going on. Two, because of the just ever-present difficulties that are going on. Three, because you might be isolated from people that you would otherwise spend time with in isolation. You're not made for that. So it brings difficulties too. By all means, go and get professional help with some of these things. And by all means, change your life and routine. But above all and most importantly… Ask yourself this, is God still good? And if He is, well, He's the one who holds your salvation and He's the one who has promised forgiveness to you. So put your trust in God and not yourself in these times. I tell you today, God is still good. He is the one, when you cry out in your distress, who will answer you. Remember that God is faithful. Second, Make a decision to follow God. Christianity starts with a moment where you were living like the rest of everybody around you in the world, living amongst the desire for violence, lying, all these awful things that the world is. We're born into it. Of course, we were all a part of it. And so we can all sympathize with you and whatever you've been through in your life. Not just the things were done to you, they certainly were, but also that you participated in doing evil as well. There has to come a point in your life, though, and this is the beginning of Christianity, where you say, you know what? I'm out of here. I am done with this. I am walking away from this, and I am going to go and seek the Lord. That's why this psalm is first. The beginning of the holidays, of the celebrations for Israel, of going up to the temple and worshiping God, begins with an exhaustion with what the world is and a pursuit of the Lord. Let us likewise make a decision to come and follow Christ. Now, I'm not talking about feeling it. Perhaps you've felt it at some point. You had a really neat spiritual moment. I hope you have. The, the joy of the Lord affects our hearts and affects our emotions. I hope you have a moment that you're just overjoyed with who the Lord is, and I hope you continue to have those moments of rejoicing in how great God is every day of your life. But I'm not talking about feeling it today. That's not. That is a part of our Christian faith, but that's not the center of our Christian faith. I'm not even today talking about simply enjoying coming to a healthy community Perhaps it is that you you like to be a part of the church because you know for a minute here at least you can take a breath. (laughs) People are gonna be kind. This is this is a good group of folks. I don't have to put my guard up all the time or worry. We can just rejoice together in the Lord. But that's not likewise the very center of what's happening. And I'm also not even talking about believing. I'm talking about making a decision to come and follow Christ in obedience. This isn't simply a, you know what, I do believe that Jesus loves me. Excellent. You need to believe this. It's true. He does. But you need to make a decision to say, I'm going to turn away from the life that I am living, and now I'm going to obey the life of Christ. This psalm is primarily a psalm of turning of turning away from one thing to the another. The person who writes it has to wake up and say, man, the world is terrible. I'm out of here, which both includes leaving, but also leaving it behind in the way that that person participated in it. You must repent and turn away from your participation in the world. We have to abandon the world even as we live in it still. Who's coming with me today? Who else is ready to join the rest of the congregation in saying, not only I believe, but also, you know what? I'm going to leave behind the ways of the world as I participated in it, and now I'm going to follow and obey Christ and live in His kingdom. The exhaustion with the world is not just how it affects us negatively, but how we were even a part of it also, and we must leave both behind. Fourth, this psalm teaches us that you can't how should we say this? Use the devil's tools. Do you understand this phrase? Don't use the devil's tools. It's possible that you as a Christian think that in order to get the right outcome, you can go about doing some dishonest things in order to get there. Okay, it's a little bit of lying that's required, but what's important is that this action happens. This happens in churches, too. A good, well-meaning, otherwise Christian person can say, "Oh, something's happening in the church. I don't like something's going to be changed, or this person's going to be elected to something." And that's bad. So it's OK to start using the devil's tools to try and get the right thing, whether it's lying, manipulation, forming cohorts or committees or outside meetings outside of meetings. It's not only wrong for us to live sinfully, but it's also wrong for us to try and go about using the devil's tools, (laughs) how about the devil's means, how about using what is evil to try and get good. It doesn't work for us as Christians to say, well, hold on, I know there's a little spin required in my explanation of this, but I'm doing it for a good reason. Truth is from the Lord, and the truth is what sets us free. We don't have any any room in our lives for the means of the world to try and get what we want and use them for our ends. Do you understand? Finally, in accordance with this song, let us walk with other people who also know they're not at home. Let us walk together as a group of people who don't feel at home here, because that's also what is going on when this song is being sung by Israel. Whole communities getting up together, leaving things behind, and saying, let's go up to the temple of the, of the Lord and worship Him there together. And a whole people traveling together on the road, knowing that they're living in the world, that they're going through the world, that the world permeates their own national borders, that the world is even in their houses but getting up together and walking together towards the Lord, looking for a new home in Him. The way the world is, I am too.